Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is actually a returning guest. He was on the show a couple of years ago, Andy Patisha. He's the founder and CEO of Cannabis Facility Construction, a division of Mosaic Construction, which is a national design build firm based in Northbrook, Illinois. Since 2015, Andy helped the company become a national industry leader in full service cannabis facility design build, working with multiple MSOs, independents, and startup cannabis companies across the country. Currently, the company has built and is in process of work on over 80 cultivation facilities, processing centers, and dispensary projects in 12 states. You're very busy these days. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you so very much for having me. Wonderful. So uh, I know you've been on the show before, but for those just tuning in, uh, let's hear a little more about your background and what kinds of things you've been working on in the past before moving into the cannabis space. Sure. So we are a 32-year-old design-build firm that actually started out as an architectural practice and really grew tired of hearing and seeing all the problems that people have in the industry with general contractors, uh, mostly around transparency and interest in timing and costs. So we decided that we were gonna provide a value add as, de- as design builders, truly design builders, whereas in most cases in the industry, it's really build designers, it's contractors that associate with or hire out an architect just so that they can have total control. And it really wasn't about it for us. It was really about how can we offer the same kind of experience on the construction side that we did on the architecture side, again, being different than everybody else. And so what we did was we looked at our value add proposition and said, you know, the, the couple of things that seem to be real tripping, uh, tripping hazards for most GCs are the fact that clients really don't know exactly where all the costs are and they really don't understand the correlation between what it is they're buying and the price they're paying. So our clients would get a chance to see and purchase everything at our discounts totally transparently. And we, our fees would be calculated as a stipulated sum based on how long it would take for us to manage the project. And so therefore we have a vested interest in, in how long a job takes and no vested interest in how much it costs. So it doesn't really much matter to us if the job is X or 10 times X, if it takes the same amount of time to, for us to be able to, to manage that process. And so clients really appreciated that. And we got started in really the hardest work there is, and we still do it today in one of our three verticals, and that is high-end customer residential in older homes while people are living in them. And back 32 years ago, that was the easiest entry point. And clients really appreciated the relationship uh, view that we had as opposed to being a transactional type business and appreciated the transparency and appreciated just as much the fact that they knew exactly what they were paying for, our management, not just some arbitrary percentage or per square foot cost. And over the course of years, we, we developed that uh, further from just high-end residential into what we determine as a, as a boutique commercial practice. So in our world, that's medical office and law office and banquet facilities and clubhouses and so on. And then uh, we then, uh, 19 years ago, uh, launched off another vertical, which is also our parent company, Mosaic Construction. And that was really focused and is focused 
on the multifamily world, while we do unit turns in hallways and lobbies and amenity spaces and so on. And uh, we worked along those two lines of two independent verticals under one company up until seven years ago when one of our commercial clients called us up and said, hey, we just won three medicinal dispensary licenses. And as I like to say, they said to me, uh, we know we don't know what we're doing in the space, and we're pretty sure you don't have a clue as to what you're doing in the space. But, you know, you're our trusted design build partner. We're going to figure it out together. Well, lo and behold, they decided to become a multi-state operator and looked to us and said, are you guys, you know, interested in, in going along with us for the ride? And we said, sure. And although we had done some commercial work uh, in Wisconsin and Indiana, and Illinois, as well as Illinois and some in Michigan, uh, you know, as you had mentioned earlier, we've now blossomed over 80 projects in 12 states that have cannabis in it. So, you know, it's it's all three verticals still operate and all three, three verticals operate under the same premise of being a relational based business that's truly in partnership with our clients that is transparent and our clients really know what it is that they're getting uh, when they're paying for our services because they're really paying for management. They're not paying just some arbitrary percentage. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that whole story arc there. That's amazing. Um, and yeah, definitely along for the ride with the growth of this incredible industry that, that has so many little pieces to it, so many regulations, so many, hey, it's still federally illegal, but, you know, having having the bravery, I suppose, uh, to, to dive into the deep end of the pool is, is pretty cool. So I'm curious, uh, that explains how you got involved in cannabis. Do you have any, did you have any personal reservations about getting involved in cannabis or, or was this something that you felt in support of and, and were excited about? <laughs> so I chuckle because that's a great question. And, and, and so I'll, I'll tell you, you know, in, 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 in the spirit of the way we run our business in full transparency is that people who know me and know that this has become such a large part of our business laugh because they know that I've never tried the product. And I've never tried the product really solely because when, when I was back in college and it was popular to try the product, the only way you can really imbibe would be to smoke it and I wouldn't smoke anything. And so I never had any reservations about people who imbibed. But when I first started hearing about cannabis, even before uh, that, you know, we had this opportunity, I was hearing about all the medicinal benefits. And I started doing some research uh, on it and particularly reading up on all the research that countries like Israel was doing, who was really at the forefront of this. And when I looked at all the ailments that cannabis could serve from a medicinal standpoint, I was just astounded. I mean, to me, when you look at everything from the obvious of pain management to things that I didn't know about, like ADHD and Parkinson's and other, other, other uh, afflictions like that, that just to me, it's, it, it was, it's such a no brainer, uh, you know, not to mention that, you know, it, it takes away one of the scourges of of that's plaguing our society in an addiction for an addiction period because I know that it's not a uh, proven to be an addictive drug as well as getting rid of the addictive drugs like opioids and so on and so forth. So I've always been a firm believer from the standpoint of of from the medicinal side, and really over the course of time, as I've seen the industry morph into. Uh, being able to provide other products such as edibles and now into beverages, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more intrigued. I mean, again, I've never been uh, one to, to look, you know, down at somebody that's imbibing even for recreational use. 
uh, it just smoking just really wasn't my thing. And I know that that um, uh, certainly edibles from the, you know in the beginning, you know one of the the challenges is is about dosage when when you start feeling the effects of the THC and so on and so forth. But now as, as products are being more developed and better developed, that starting to see some of those things uh, uh, become a little bit more predictable. I mean, I'm a, I'm a rum drinker. I'd, I'd rather have a glass of rum in my hands than anything else, but I've been talking, <laughs> talking, talking with some of our, our clients and they're really looking at creating experiences and beverages that will be similar to holding a glass of rum. And I would be intrigued by that because from what I understand, the after effects of, of imbibing is different than uh, drinking alcohol. And, and uh, certainly uh, that, that would be something that would interest me. Gotcha. Yeah. Some of my favorite gummies actually are a ratio of THC and CBD. Um, so I, I, I love the sophistication of, uh, of these uh products that you don't have to smoke for to, to your point uh all right so right before we take our next commercial break um it's 2022 we we were catching up previously in 2020 in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic uh so how are things going with you and the company now as we're making our way out of of a very strange couple of years <laughs> So you're right. Strange, strange couple of years. As the Chinese proverb goes, we live in interesting times <laughs> uh, and it seems to get more interesting on a daily basis. Right. Uh, so the company is in unbelievable shape I and mean, we spent the last couple of years uh, steadily increasing um, the amount of projects we take, the size projects we take, as well as uh, the staff that we've built in our office. And um, to the point where uh, three years ago, uh, we did, um, uh, I think, two times the amount of business we did the year before. And the last two years, we've done twice the amount we did three years ago. And this year, we're going to do twice the amount of business we did last year and the year before, almost two, almost two years combined. And so a lot of that has to do with uh, the more experience we have, the more sophisticated and the larger projects we can take. And, and we've also had the ability to be able to build out our team. So, you know, we're really in great shape from our perspective. We've got uh, some really, really good clients that uh, are repetitive. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, what I believe is, a, is an excellent reputation in the industry. And, uh, you know, those are the things that we can control. The things we can't control, which is what contributes to the interesting times comment is, you know, everything that's going on in the environment today. I mean, we still were in, we were in the throes of COVID, but we didn't, we had not realized the labor or supply chain challenges that we have now realized as a result of COVID. And then of course you throw on inflation and you throw on uh, what's gone on with uh, oil uh, pricing. Uh, that's just, you know, only created a, a further challenging atmosphere, but you know, like everything else uh, we are, we are, as a people, we are resilient. As a business, we are resilient. We've certainly seen uh, many other challenges before, industry challenges and and uh, just uh, environment challenges. And certainly we're up for the task. The beauty of it really in our business, I believe, is that there still is only upside. I mean, we got involved in this business where it was not quite at its at its birth, but still in its infancy stage. And, and it really, it's still it's still very juvenile in that 
not every state has it uh, medicinally and not every state has it recreationally. And right. for companies like ours that have experience, we really are sitting on the precipice of all the work that's coming down the pike and uh, be able to take advantage of it, which is, you know, a little bit different than some other construction industries out there. Awesome. Great. All right. So let's let's take that first commercial break and then let's come back and, and, and dive into the weeds here. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we're talking with Andy Patisha from Cannabis Facility Construction. Uh, it's interesting times, as noted in the previous segment. So let's talk a bit about what's new and trendy in cannabis facility construction and design trends. Um, you know, let's start with the retail dispensaries. Those are most customer-focused public facing. They see a lot of traffic, both on foot and literally with cars. Um, So what's this new design feature you recently helped design for a dispensary in what state? West Virginia? Yes. Cool. What? Tell us about it. So, you know, the one thing that uh, really sort of came out of the pandemic is, uh, well, it's actually two things. One is, in many cases, there was curbside service because you couldn't go actually into the building, yep. uh, which really was sort of 1A and 1B. 1A being it was a necessity, and 1B, it's that many clients really are interested in pre-orders because they're experienced and that they know what they want. And so what we've seen a lot, in a lot of cases, we've seen our clients are really looking at what is possible with regards to drive-through. Now, there are many states that have not allowed drive-through yet, Illinois being one of them, uh, but I think that's really just a, a temporary uh, impasse. I think that eventually uh, you're going to see drive-throughs through a dispensary, no different than you see drive-throughs through a, you know, a Walgreens or, or um, uh, any other kind of a Rite Aid, any other kind of a, of a, of a, of a drugstore. Um, yeah. Picking uh, to, up your pharmacy prescription, right? Picking yeah. up your pharmacy prescriptions, you know, uh, particularly on the medicinal side. I mean, there's an argument to be made on the retail side, on the recreational side, just like you don't have drive through uh, where you can pick up alcoholic beverages, you know, that they, that, you know, that might be a, a challenge that, uh, that has to be overcome. But, you know, clearly when you get something packaged, 
you know, is, is, is it really any different to get a package of opioids than it is to get a package of cannabis, flour, or edibles? But that, that notwithstanding, uh, certainly a lot of our clients are looking into, into bank, bank, buildings, bank buildings, particularly the branch buildings uh, that uh, some of these banks, some of these larger banks have had, uh, you know, throughout the country. And uh, we are preparing for the use of drive throughs now. Again, you know, we'll, what we'll do is create a window and you can certainly drive through the lanes. In some cases, they're blocked off, but, you know, they're not, they're not distributing product yet through that. But, you know, I think that if you look at, at where trends are going, I, I still believe that there are going to be people that are going to need and want the consultative approach and have a full retail experience. But there certainly are, are, are people out there that are going to want the convenience of what they saw during the pandemic with curbside and or, you know, potentially drive through as well as express express pickup. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, drive through cannabis is absolutely a very interesting new way to serve customers. And honestly, it reminds me a few decades ago, the first time I saw a brew through in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. I don't know. I, I think it was a new concept back then, to be honest. This was uh, the 90s. Um, but now drive-through liquor stores are more common. I mean, there's there's a couple here in Denver, actually. Um, so this type of building, um, it's ideal for certain types of customers, but not others. Um, I'm, I'm thinking it's the customer that has a product that they know that they want and they get it repetitively all the time and they don't need more customer service. Is that, is that right? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you could look at it for, from a couple of different ways. You could look at it from the recreational user that knows what they want and they just want to, they don't want to get out of their car in the middle of the snow to, to walk through a dispensary and pick it up. And it could just be the, 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 the person that is using it for medicinal purposes and really physically has an issue with getting out of their car and walking into a dispensary to pick it up, which would really be no different as, like I say, as how you look at it from a, from a, um, you know, a, a pharmacy. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that, that there certainly is a, is a, is a segment of, population out there that uses it. And I also think that there is still going to be a segment that's going to want that retail experience. Um, so, so the real challenge is knowing your, your, who your customer is. And I'm talking about from the dispensary perspective, not, not from our perspective is knowing who your customer is. And I think that some of that has to do with where they are regionally, the types of products that they provide, the type of service they want to provide. And so I think they're, there certainly could be a, an opportunity for both, and there certainly could be an opportunity for one or the other. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, so these design features for dispensaries are clearly centered around the customer needs, customer expectations. Um, so, you know, you don't order a filet mignon at a drive through restaurant, right? You want to you wanna sit down, you want to get the full dining experience to draw a comparison versus I'm just getting a quick snack. I'm going to be in and out here. Right. Right. For sure. You know, one of the things though, is that, I mean, there are people that still eat inside the dining room of a fast food restaurant. So, you know, some people <laughs> go to the drive through I mean, really some people go to McDonald's and they, or Wendy's or Arby's or Taco Bell or any of these other Burger King, and they want to eat the drive through and it's okay for them to eat it in their car because they, they don't care. 
uh, or take it home or wherever they're going to go. And there are some people that just want the experience. So I think you've got sort of two different ways of looking at it. One is, you know, do you just want the convenience of driving through and do you know? And what do you want the experience to be if you actually want the filet mignon versus having the fast food hamburger? And and, and by the way, it, that might be a couple of different things. It might be because you are looking for other ancillary equipment or you're looking for a consultation or you're looking for some kind of, you know, um, impulse buy uh, that might not even be related to, to the product. It could be, you know, a hat or some other kind of merchandise. And so there will definitely be people that will want that uh, to be able to experience that. And there's some people that just know what they want and, 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 uh, and, and get what they want as fast as they can get it. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> so um, we have to take a commercial break in just a minute here, but um, as far as other facilities in the cannabis industry that are not very customer facing, like the cultivation facilities, the edibles manufacturing facility, are there any new design trends there to talk about or, or some new standards that have developed through trial and error over the years? Yeah, so that's a great question, actually. So there's a couple of things related to that. One, that over time, as you can imagine, the technology is just evolving faster, I think, in this industry in particular than it is even in the tech industry. It is just the types of products, the types of installation methods that are being used are not only important because they're saving time, but they're saving, they're creating other efficiencies, how they're maintained how things are, are being cleaned and, and uh, how operations are taking place uh, within those uh, within those rooms. Um, I think that is, is, has been a really big change. And I think that um, people need to be on the cusp of what the latest and greatest is. And then I think you compare that to sort of a methodology called GMP, which is good manufacturing practice, which a lot of, of companies are really looking towards because they've got the, the foresight uh, knowing that when this becomes legal federally and there are jurisdictional um, uh, requirements that have to be met, uh, you, you know, through the FDA or, or any other any other body that's going to be governing over uh, what, uh, what's going on in, in the in the manufacturing facility, that they want to be prepared as much as they can to continue operations and be approved immediately, as opposed to many of the facilities that were built early on that didn't know of, didn't think of, didn't want to participate in GMP. In order for them to become approved going forward, it's likely they're going to have to make some adaptations, which could effectively affect their operations on some level. Interesting stuff. All right, we have a little more to chat about, but we have to take a quick commercial break right now. So stay tuned. We will be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, talking with Andy Patisha from Cannabis Facility Construction about some fun new trends in the cannabis industry. And as we look to the future and we're working toward this inevitable federal legalization, right? We're getting there slowly but surely. What do you see happening when it comes to 
facility design standardization, right? Yep, we're going to become a very sophisticated national, international industry with standards, <laughs> including facility design standards. What should we be thinking about and getting ready for in that regard? Well, I think from a, I think we started, you know, hitting on that in the last segment when we were talking about GMP. I think that, you know, as best we can tell, the FDA is probably going to be the most suited to be able to regulate this industry. And I would start to be looking at, uh, as, as people are, are currently, what standards are being used for other manufacturing facilities, other drug producing facilities, and start really to emulate what it is that is being done there, because it's likely that at least some, if not all of that, is going to be adapted or have to be adapted in the cannabis uh, world. You know, from a uh, from a, a, a retail perspective, it'll be really interesting to see uh, uh, about what they're going to allow uh, universally with actual live product being able to be seen, felt, touched, and smelled. Uh, you know, currently, not every state allows that. And, uh, you know, again, it's sort of a little bit beyond my pay grade because I'm not a retail operator, but I have to imagine that it's an easier sell uh, to somebody that can see and feel and touch and smell the product than it is looking at an empty package behind glass, or even if they're lucky enough to be able to somehow uh, circumvent and get uh, live product in front of glass that's connected to their vault or other sort of secure uh, uh, means of, of keeping the product away from people, it still, it still is not the same as seeing something live and in your hand. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and again, as we mentioned earlier, it, it really depends on the customer persona. Um, I, I was at a uh, cannabis marketing summit uh, held by the Cannabis Marketing Association and chat, chatting with, uh, chatting with a, a colleague and they were showing me kind of this like metaverse virtual world um, where the possibilities where customers could do shopping in this kind of virtual environment. And I had that similar thought like, well, that's great for the customers that don't need to like smell and, you know, see the product before getting it because they know what they want. But um, yeah, it's, it's all unique. So as we're wrapping up the show here, we have a couple minutes left. We, as, as you mentioned, we've been dealing with some strange times, um, some supply chain issues for a variety of reasons, ranging from the global pandemic to cargo ships getting stuck in canals and just costs going up and up and up. And it's all really a perfect storm of challenges that are impacting the cost of supplies for everything, I, I assume also ne the supplies needed for construction. Um, how is that aspect um, impacting uh, the growth of our industry? Well, it's certainly impacting uh, based on uh, time to be able to procure materials. And uh, as you can imagine, you know, particularly in, in the cannabis world, the things that are the most impacted are uh, HVAC equipment, uh, generating equipment, and electrical equipment, particularly when we're talking about uh, electrical service equipment, switch gears and, and motherboards and all sorts of things that go into uh, providing 
you know, anything related to uh, where the supply chain has been has been challenged. I mean, you've got you got two problems, right? You've got supply chain that was challenged because you had workers with the pandemic. You've got the ships, as you mentioned, but you also have had economies that have been booming, which meant orders have been coming in. So it's really a perfect storm because you've got you've got a lot of demand and you've got you know trouble keeping up with it. And so, you know, what what really uh, I think separates sort of the, uh, the the good companies from the great companies is how resourceful are they? Are they just really looking at what is in front of them based on what their clients are telling them that they're looking for from a specification or what they might be seeing off an architecture engineering uh, drawing telling them? Or do they really have the wherewithal as well as the ability to be able to source things themselves and be creative out-of-the-box thinkers? You know, uh, we've seen this over the course of time where you start a project and it is, uh, um, you know, a lead time of X and a cost of Y. And as you're going on the project, you have an opportunity to get what you thought was being done, uh, had a delay. You could get that earlier. And the only way to know that is to know the industry and to uh, be able to inform your clients in real time as these things come up. Communication, good for business, good for relationships. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Wow, Andy, uh, thank you so much for joining me again. It was good to catch up with you and, and hear how things are going with, with, with your company post-pandemic, or is it post-pandemic? I'm not quite sure. But where, where <laughs> Will there can... ever be a post-pandemic? That's oh, the question. Oh, gosh. I know. Uh, so where can our listeners uh, find out more about you and your company? So our, our website is cannabisfacility.net. And uh, you can find a bunch of information there. And, you know, we're always happy to talk to people. I think at the end of the day, what, what's really important about us is that we're relational. And so pick up a phone, send us an email, happy to have a conversation and uh, see if we can't be helpful directly. We can maybe point you in the right direction. That sounds lovely. All right. Thanks so much for taking time to join me today, Andy. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.